0: Hail Traveler and welcome to your favorite D&D theme podcast where you can get new ideas for enhancing the narrative at your campaign table. Well, maybe not your favorite podcast, but hopefully like top 30. That's a pretty modest goal, right? Well, after this episode, I'm expecting to be in your top 29 because I'll be talking about defying the expectations of your players. Hopefully, I can defy your expectations with some useful advice for once, and you can defy my expectations with a rating and a review. Preferably one that says you laughed at my jokes, but I know I'm shooting for the stars there, so no pressure. I'm a man with nothing left to lose, Alan Niles, and this is Outside the Dice. There's a lot that players can expect when coming into a D&D campaign. Whether you have veterans playing at your table who know every edition of D&D hardcover books cover to cover, or a table of players completely brand new to tabletop RPGs, there is bound to be some level of expectation. I'm not talking about the quality of gameplay or any sort of expectations on how your story will progress, but expectations concerning the content within your story after it has been introduced in your campaign. Even brand new players with little exposure to pop culture might guess that a vampire is negatively affected by direct sunlight. Or anyone who paid attention to the Greek mythology lessons in their high school literature class would have an advantage when fighting against a Medusa and try to insta-kill her by making her catch the gaze of her own reflection. With veteran players, it becomes less about expectation and more about simply memorizing information from the DMG and player's handbook. The moment you begin describing a spell, these players will know the exact capabilities and cut out any possibility for surprise. The same thing once you mention the race of an NPC. Oh, wait, the bandits are all elves instead of humans? Yeah, don't bother trying to charm these ones. When you have players coming into your session with expectations like these, regardless of their game playing experience, it can be a real obstacle to surprise them with your content. The workaround is to implement some mechanical tweaks, especially when working with material that is heavily present in pop culture. I brought this same advice up in episode 2 regarding the tweaking of stats to boost your boss encounters. The stat changes wouldn't just be applied to your area boss, though, but to the creatures in the dungeon or the boss's lair as well, to amplify that difference of a normal creature stat block to the bosses. For example, the party might be raiding a Mad Wizard's tower because his experiments are becoming like super unethical. As the party travels through the tower, they encounter hobgoblins that the wizard has convinced or paid or otherwise forced to work for him. While fighting the hobgobbies, the party notices they have the same regenerative properties that a troll would have, thus making the encounter a little trickier to predict and to overcome. Doing something like that is great for throwing off veteran players who've seen it all and played it all, because even if they have Hobgoblin stats memorized, they couldn't possibly predict the additional properties that you decide to apply to those stats, unless you've also dropped clues in your campaign regarding those changes. Having villagers talk about the wily whizbiz going on in the tower, talking about Experiments with Trolls and Hobgoblins is a perfectly reasonable way for players to learn what they're going to be up against. What this doesn't really work on though is brand new players who might not be familiar with Trolls or Hobgoblins and their respective features. It only becomes effective after introducing those aspects earlier in your campaign and changing them later on for a specific dungeon or encounter. That's why I think applying a change to creatures that are familiar to the players through pop culture can be an exciting way to shake things up. But not only to creatures that are isolated to a particular area, but also deciding on applying a change over a large scale for the purposes of your entire one shot or your entire long form campaign so that it affects the world in a big way. Classic zombies are an easy target for this, because there has been so much mainstream media produced that nearly everyone is familiar with the idea. For new players, they'll probably expect that they move slowly, they want to eat your brains, and if they bite you, you could turn into one yourself. Veteran players will know that these are low-challenge monsters that move slowly, can potentially ignore a killing blow, and that you won't become one if they bite you. That's the perfect setup to throw off your players, because either way they have some level of expectation. Create some new rules that can be applied to every single zombie in your world, and new players and your veteran players are both going to be thrown off. Make them sprinters with a speed of 35 feet per turn. Change their undead fortitude feature so that the zombie automatically goes from 0 hit points to 1 a certain number of times, rather than having to beat a con save. Give them a new kind of attack, like a bite that causes necrotic damage over time or inflicts a level of exhaustion if they fail a saving throw. Make them horrifying! Applying these changes over a large scale can make the entire expectation of your game shift. When zombies would normally be a mild challenge for low-level characters, now they could be the main antagonists for mid- or high-level characters in your spicy campaign. When essentially reinventing the stat block for a creature, the opportunity for knowledge through gameplay becomes available. I'm not particularly fond of the idea of players learning about monsters and creatures and spells through source materials, because to me, That just doesn't seem fair. It's the material that the DM is using to build the campaign, and if it's the only material they're using, then it just becomes a cheat sheet for players to know what they're up against. If a DM says that characters are fighting an ogre, and a player straight up looks at the stat block of an ogre, then, I mean, that's just cheating. Sure, it doesn't give any kind of advantage to your dice-rolling odds, but knowing vulnerabilities and resistances from reading about it puts the DM at a disadvantage for surprising you. So when there is no way the players can predict or know about the monsters in your world from outside sources, the only source of information the players have will be, well, your world. That can come through villagers exchanging rumors, survivors granting insight, monster hunters sharing their stories, library records being read, and, of course, the obvious path, fighting the creatures firsthand. It allows players to learn through interaction and immersion, and piling up all the bits and pieces of information to overcome a foe, rather than finding it all in one place and jotting everything down on an index card like they're going to use it on a test. Now, don't get me wrong, I love compiling information on enemies, and I don't think it's feasible for a DM to expect a player to block out information they've already read simply for the purpose of immersion. If a player already knows, that a werewolf is immune to damage from normal weaponry, it just feels plain silly to spend around attacking them with their plus-nothing short sword for no reason but to try and suspend disbelief. It's just silly to pretend to that degree. Now, playing devil's advocate, I can also see the value, and I love the value of adding to the narrative where... A character has to find that information out organically within the campaign. But again, if a player knows that it won't do anything to attack with a normal weapon, it just, it feels kind of silly to, to spend the time doing that. What would actually make them sweat is reskinning your werewolf in a way that catches that player off guard, so they don't have to pretend they don't know what's coming. And by the way, I don't think that that way has to always be mechanical, because you can also bump up your game's intensity by defying expectations in the narrative. The hardest part about creating, well, anything, is accepting that it's probably already been done before. It's true for art, for novels, for cinema and comedy, and even with storytelling at your own homebrew tabletop RPG. But tropes and cliches shouldn't be steered away from, especially when playing in a high fantasy setting. Tropes and cliches should be embraced. That's where player expectations stem from, and using them in your campaign will strengthen those expectations that's what makes it all the more surprising when you change those expectations. You don't need to reinvent the wheel, you simply need to loosen the axle. And that can be done without dabbling in stat blocks and mechanics, but just like the setup for a mechanical difference, whether that's on a relatively smaller scale like an isolated dungeon, or it's on a large scale, like the entire setting of a long-winded campaign. Setting up a narrative surprise will take a little bit of foresight. It's not just something to whip up impromptu on the night. (laughs) It's going to be set up ahead of time. And the information you'll rely on would be similar to a mechanical change, which is the expectation uh, inceptioned into your player's plus some rumors spread by the local yokels uh, of your setting. Take a vampire hunt, for instance. The players are given the quest to slay a vampire dwelling in the hilltop mansion. Rumors from the peanut gallery say the vampire takes the form of a handsome and alluring man whose charm stems largely from their intelligent vernacular however the players might arrive in the mansion to discover a creature that resembles a monstrously oversized bat that behaves like a chaotic beast it might have flesh underneath its arms to create these misshapen wings and claws instead of hands Um, growths of skin covering its eyes, and it screeching, incoherent noises as it climbs along the walls and the ceiling. All that being said, it could still have every feature from the Monster Manual, with the one small change of it maybe speaking telepathically to the players, if you want that creature to speak to the players. In this way, you're not making huge mechanical changes like we did with our zombies. The changes are largely cosmetic here. But by having the players expect one thing wholeheartedly and setting them up for a totally different aesthetic change, it just allows that tiny spark of surprise that can throw off the players. Another option for some narrative defiance is through using creatures in unconventional ways that still follow the written rules of that creature. A mimic, for example, can polymorph into an object, but there's no other details really given. The mimic is a medium-sized creature, but shape-shifting usually isn't limited to the original size of the creature. A polymorph or wild shape, for instance, uh, allow a medium-sized creature to turn into something like a bear or a rat, which are different sizes than medium. So we all know that mimics love turning into treasure chests, and if your players don't know that, drop a chest-shaped mimic into your game to allow them that experience. But if you want to be especially horrible, after you've introduced the existence of Mimics into your setting and effectively skyrocketing the anxiety of your players, you could create a room with a chest. This chest is completely normal, and after some poking and prodding, your players will eventually confirm that for themselves. The chest is filled with gold coins, and when your players grab a handful of these coins to stuff into their pockets, you can watch their faces turn to horror as you describe each of the coins sticking to their hands and coming alive into shifting forms. Now again, here We're not even changing any of the rules of what mimics are supposed to look like or the mechanics because it's not specified that they can't polymorph into objects that are smaller than themselves. The one rule we're kind of tweaking here is that mimics don't usually work in groups. But for the terror of a player opening a chest and realizing that the gold coins are just... All mimics just roll a d10 of mimics I, I think that rule tweak is pretty worth it there's a lot of opportunity for adjusting the narrative for creatures to surprise your players but honestly I think the best opportunity for throwing a narrative curveball at your players is through the capabilities of the characters themselves The player character is the one aspect the player actually has full control over. And I'm a firm believer that that control shouldn't be limited to how the character is mechanically played, but should lapse over into the narrative descriptions related to their character as well. This means that if a character has a certain feat, or if they uh, cast spells, I think that should be discussed with the player themselves if they have ideas on how to describe those aspects. Of course, not entirely, but to an extent that the DM and the player can agree on that fits the setting. I think granting narrative control to a player over their own character can increase their stakes in the game and subsequently their level of immersion in the story. If a player discusses with you that their fireballs are purple flame rather than a traditional red and orange, then I see no harm in allowing them to decide that. But allowing that morsel of narrative control is exactly how you can ambush your players like a Trojan horse that they let inside their brain. For instance, let's say that one of the player characters is a ranger And they just turned level 3. The party sings for he's a jolly good fellow, and they take a look at their feats. And the ranger has just used primeval awareness for the first time. Which, if you're unaware of how that works, uh, primeval awareness allows the character to sense if there are certain creature types around them within a mile, basically. This class feature doesn't give a lot of narrative description, so it's up to the player and DM to decide what this looks like. The player describes that a blue spectral falcon flies swiftly overhead, invisible to enemies. It flies around the perimeter, and the ranger's eyes gloss over with a light blue shine. Seeing through the falcon's eyes, the ranger can see if any of the certain creatures are present within the radius, perceiving them in a black void as to not reveal their exact location per the limitations of the feet according to the handbook. Okay, cool. So now we have some description to this class feature that otherwise would have just said, you know these creatures exist, but you don't know where. Now we have a little bit of description to go along with it. Now, whenever our ranger performs their primeval awareness feat, we have a description that the entire table can imagine. The blue spectral falcon soars overhead, and the ranger's eyes shine for six full seconds, since the handbook states uh, this costs an action. Now that a general rule has been decided for how this feature works normally, it allows the opportunity for the DM to change it to really surprise the players. The party is tracking down a powerful fey, and they know they're close to its lair. The ranger closes their eyes, and the spectral falcon takes flight. In the void, the shape of the fey takes place. The party knows they're within one mile of their target, when for no reason at all, the fey creature slowly turns its head and looks directly back into the eyes of the falcon. A jagged smile creeps across its face, and the ranger snaps back into the present. Normally, enemies can't see this spectral falcon, because there's no reason a ranger's primeval awareness feat would allow the enemy to know the presence of the ranger. So changing this rule can surprise the players and create a satisfying discomfort by deviating the way their feat normally works. The only caveat to this is I would say to be really careful not to change the mechanical properties of a player's character. Changing the description is enough to put a player at unease. But changing the way their features work mechanically can be frustrating, unless there is a carefully considered and valid reason for doing so, like if a player was playing as a wizard and their spells just didn't work, that player would probably become really frustrated, since the fundamental mechanics of their character are not functioning as intended. But if the enemy the party is facing keeps casting counterspell, then the reasoning would be justified. Even in the example of the ranger and their primeval awareness, the mechanics were tweaked, because the fey creature knew that its location was being divined. If this is simply being done for the sake of narrative, make it clear to your player that they're not sure if the Fae was actually staring back, or if it was purely coincidence that it turned a certain way. And in the end, make it that they're able to surprise the Fae creature, because it truly didn't know that they were coming. But if you want your Fae creature to know that the players are coming... It should be attached to their abilities mechanically, like as a layer ability or as some other kind of special sense. In other words, I think it should cost a resource for the creature to mess with the player character's class feat in a mechanical way. Otherwise, you're just undermining player power, which I also think is sort of like cheating, only the DM is the culprit in this case. As with any variation, always consider the way you're affecting the challenge rating when tweaking and squeaking your creature stats. It's cool to make your zombies more vicious, but it's not cool to give them a feature where their bites do turn the players into zombies with no con save and you create an encounter of 50 zombies against your level 2 table. Unless your players are all masochistic survival enthusiasts or something. Think of some big changes you can apply overall to your campaign to throw your players off. Think of ways you can differentiate your creatures from what is common and orthodox for some fun surprises, or take what's been established and create a meaningful change down the road. Regardless of if your change affects the creature in your campaign or the character, whether it's mechanical or purely narrative, I hope you find new ways to think outside the dice. Thanks so much for listening. I know that this episode was a little bit of a short one, but it's still just astounding to me that uh, I've gotten to episode 7 of this podcast. I've had this idea in the works for a really long time, and it is truly a dream actualized into reality that I get to create this podcast for you to to listen to. If you're enjoying the podcast, I was joking earlier, but seriously, consider leaving a rating and a review and letting your friends know about the podcast if you truly enjoy it. If you like the podcast and you want to keep hearing the content that I have to say, that's the best thing that you can do for me and help me continue creating content like this. But lastly, if you have an idea that you want to hear about some narrative aspect that you have trouble with or anything D&D you'd be interested in my thoughts on, go to OutsideTheDice.com and send me a message. There's a contact page there. I would love to hear what you want to hear about. and I just might make an episode talking about whatever you send. Farewell, traveler, and happy gaming.